Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello and welcome to Book Cheat, the book club podcast where I've read the book so you don't have to. My name is Dave Warnicke and on each episode of this show we look at one of the classics and joining me to look at such a classic this week, it's my friend, your friend, our friend, Matt Stewart. (laughs) Thanks so much for having me. Oh man, a bit of a sigh of relief when you said that, so you don't have to. Because there was a little panic there when you said the book club podcast. I'm like, Uh-oh. oh my God. Oh my God. Despite having done this show probably a dozen plus times. Oh no. I listened to it. I've been on it. And still my brain went, hang on a second. Was whoa, I meant whoa, to read the book? What was the homework? What's the homework? The whole, wait, is the whole uh, point of this podcast not what I remembered it to be? Yeah. <laughs> it's actually a reverse one this week when Matt's read the book, so we don't whoa. have to. Now we are recording in Adelaide. Yes. What a beautiful city. Lovely, lovely place. We've, I mean, we didn't have the best weather this morning, but until now, it's been pretty good out there. We're here for the Adelaide Fringe Festival. We've pop, basically popped over for a cheeky weekend, a three-night run of our new shows. And by the time this comes out, they've all done, and yes, they were fantastic. Mm. Yeah, I can say that for with sh- certainty, that w- we hit them all out of the park. We smashed them. <laughs> I, hope. I hope we can say that. Hopefully we, we can We've got one that. to go. Yeah, the first two were fun for sure. Been having having a great time. I think you know, I I reckon I could do this podcast having not read the book. I've certainly I've certainly done that before. I've got form. I did uh, a an English minor in my degree, and I did quite a few oral presentations about novels I hadn't read. You never read them? Well, I tried to. Oh, it's so boring. <laughs> Is that what you said in the presentation? I tried to read it, but you know what, Charles Dickens snore. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I um, I I think doing it today would be a lot easier because you'd have a podcast like this. I just yeah. read out the transcript. <laughs> what were you going on back then? Um, there were you know still still websites that broke it down and stuff. I guess I can't really remember. Yeah, you weren't it was just about three hundred years ago. Right, you weren't just paying like the smart kid in your class to tell no, you about no. it. No, <laughs> no, I was still. I mean, I was reading. I was just reading summaries and stuff. But yep, yep, yeah. It's uh, I wish I could go back and take it more seriously. Well, youth I mean, is wasted on the young. <laughs> <True>. <laughs> oh, what a witty man! <laughs> now, um, how about I read you a summary right now? But one that I've come up with. Oh yeah, because I've read the book, so you don't have to. This week we are talking about. It's a very famous short story. This one, can you tell me? Slightly time poor, preparing for the Adelaide Fringe Festival. So I've gone with a, a shorter book this week, and it is The Legend of Sleepy Hollow. This is exciting. So this is like a is it sort of like a horror book? Yes, because I thought, you know, March, it's the spookiest time mm, of the year. It is. Let's get the spooky, you know, everyone's <laughs> panicking about their festival show. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> They're all freaking out. Now it is the legend of Sleepy Hollow. This has been suggested by one person and thank you so much for your fantastic work suggesting this. McKenna Middlebrook from Newark, New York. Oh yeah. Great like work. McKenna's work. I love his name. I love an alliterative name like that. Yeah. 
MM from NN. Oh, yeah, that is. Ken Middlebrook from Newark, New York. Thank you so much for the suggestion. Fantastic stuff. You can always suggest a book, and you know, when I get to it, I'm going to get to them all. That's my commitment. Yep. I think there's about 5,000 of these <laughs> suggestions so far, and I'm going to do them all. When I get there, I'll give you a shout out. So there's a link in the uh, description of this episode, or if you go to the book cheat Twitter or Instagram accounts, there's a little link in the bios. And yeah, tell me why I should do it. Luckily, do the, it. Um, there's a, less than a book release every week, so you will be able to get caught up. To yeah, exactly. All the I'm books ever, slowly eventually. catching up. Yeah. Luckily, yeah, the, the book industry is slowing. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm increasing. Yes. Um, oh, I know, you, yours is fortnightly. Luckily, the book industry only releases less than one book a month. Thank so goodness for that. You so are catching up fast. Phew. Honestly, I think they need, to, they need to start cranking out the books or I'm going to have nothing to talk about. Do you think March is the spookiest month of the year? Because I guess, because you know how we do Halloween in October, I guess. Does that mean in the Northern Hemisphere they do it in March? Yeah, I think that kind of works out, doesn't it? Yeah, March, April. So, yeah, right. It's yeah. funny how they yeah they celebrate things like six months apart from us because yeah, of the so seasons or whatever. And they sort of take our events yeah, and then take them over. That's right. And do their weird North, Northern Hemisphere version. Yeah, it's, it comes out a bit wrong. It's not quite real Australian Halloween, but yeah, yeah I've but seen it in movies and stuff. It's a bit of fun. Yeah, no, but some of the older generation are like, oh, this is such an Australian <laughs> yeah, holiday. That's right. Why are you bringing that here? <laughs> Enough, you know. <laughs> we, we need to keep our own culture. Yeah. We can't be dominated by Australian culture. It's all Crocodile Dundee this, exactly. Bluey that. <laughs> <laughs> now, do you know anything about the legend of Sleepy Hollow? Do you get an image or anything that comes into your mind? My image is black and white forest mm-hmm. uh maybe johnny depp riding a horse and wearing like looking gothic great i think that's pretty that's pretty good yeah certainly some of the the key images johnny depp being one <laughs> you mentioned that in your oral presentation <laughs> yeah, when yeah. i was reading this book johnny depp was really good <laughs> oh no oh god <laughs> yeah i think there must have been a sleepy hollow with johnny depp movie made like 20 years ago or something yeah it's a tim burton one so it's been adapted for many things, like because it's quite old, which I'll tell you about the context in just a second. But it's been in radio, it's been in cinema, it's been in TV. It's been I've plays. actually because we're going to do a double today. I'm going to do a primates with you, and I was because primates is a podcast I do that's all about uh, primates and popular culture, non-human ones. That's in right. Particular. Last time we were on tour at the end of last year, I did Sherlock Holmes, The Hand of the Baskervilles. So we found a TV version of Sherlock Holmes. Hounds of the Baskervilles, but they were featured testing on monkeys. You were so stoked when you found out that they were testing on monkeys in (laughs) two scenes. It was really, yeah, one of the, I mean, I don't think it was one of the few times I've been stoked about testing on monkeys. (laughs) Yes. Possibly the only one even. The only one. But for this one. We also did it when you did the story of uh, the the hunter. Oh, that's right. You did the Dexter's Laboratory episode. For, uh, what is it? The Dangerous Game? Most Dangerous Game. Most Dangerous Game. That's right. And so this time I found one, it took a while, but I found a cartoon that uh, uses this story and it's a Ghostbusters cartoon. <laughs> That's but awesome. not, not the Ghostbusters you might think of with Bill Murray and all those okay. characters. Cause that, the one that, with Melissa McCarthy. Not the one with Melissa McCarthy okay. and uh, one of the Hemsworths, I mean, of course, Australian <laughs> yeah, culture taking is over. taking over America. But um, no, it's the, there was another one. So there, there was a bit of a copyright issue at one point. But the the lesser known one has one of the team, the Ghostbusters teams, is a gorilla. Tick, tick. 
So we're going to watch that after this and then record at Primates. Fantastic. And we'll try and release this uh, at the same, if not similar times. Similar times, Similar yeah. times. And you can check that out on the Primates feed. We'll both be sitting on our computers saying five, four, <laughs> three, three, two. We've got those keys upload. that we have to turn right. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and on turn, turn, three, two, one, turn. Okay. Oh no, my Wi-Fi dropped out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you never see that in the movies where someone stuffs up the turn. No. I reckon they should use that for realism. Yeah. So, The Legend of Sleepy Hollow, let me tell you about it. It is a short story by American author Washington Irving. Great name. It's contained in his collection of 34 essays and short stories titled The Sketchbook of Jeffrey Crayon, <laughs> comma, Gent. Okay. <laughs> I love it. The Gent probably saved it a bit, to be honest. <laughs> so, it's basically, it's written under the incredible pen name of Jeffrey Crayon, which Irving used from this point on throughout his career. That's not a pen name. That's a crayon name. Jeffrey Crayon. What? This is, that's is, good stuff. Is this before crayons were a thing? Because otherwise you're not choosing that as a name. No. When were crayons invented? Were they named after this guy? He famously wrote his all his uh, novels with coloured wax. <laughs> <laughs> Crayola crayons, which I guess they're the, the big one. This is from the Smithsonian. Were invented in 1903 by cousins Edwin Binney and C. Harold Smith. So there you go. This is before crayon. This is in 1819, 1820. Yeah, maybe they're big fans. Big fans. So Jeffrey Crayon, gent. <laughs> First published serially throughout 1819 and 1820, the sketchbook, as is often referred to, also contains Washington Irving's other most enduring story, Rip Van Winkle. Ah, I've heard of that, but I don't know what it means. Is he the one that jumps over the candlestick? (laughs) (laughs) No, that's Jack B. Nimble. (laughs) Is he Rip Torn? (laughs) Rip Van Winkle, I believe. I didn't know too much about it. It's a name that I also recognise. I had a cursory look, and I think it's a guy who falls asleep for 70 years or something and wakes up and the Civil War's over. Ah, Oh, yeah. I've heard that before. All those things. I've heard of draft dodges, but this is ridiculous. <laughs> oh, sorry. I slept through it. Sorry. I slept through the wall. <laughs> Man, I was really prepared to go out and yeah. uh, risk my life. But I was ready to go, fighting for what I believe in. I was just so tired. <laughs> so these are his two most enduring stories. But in his lifetime, Irving wrote lots of history books and biographies, including a five-volume biography of George Washington, Published just eight months before Irving died at the age of 76. So he pumped it out. He's yeah. an interesting guy, though, this is Irving. He comes up with great nicknames early on, or just names in general. Early on in his career, he created a character called Diedrich Knickerbocker. Oh, yeah, that's good. Classic name. And have we, we talked about this before? I'm not oh, sure. He's the one who came up with. And that's what became the, the, you know, the New York Knicks and everything came from that. Yeah, so his first novel, when do we talk about that? Because I was reading this going, this is really jogging memory. I think we talked about it on a, on a Do Go On episode. Yeah, this is that guy. Yeah, that's, I didn't realise it was the same guy. Yeah, so he, I think it was sort of like a, a book of the world sort of thing. Yes, I've got it here. It's okay, the fantastic. history of New York from the beginning of the world to the end of the Dutch dynasty. And it's sort of fictionalised. Yeah, yes, and he's written by under the name Diedrich Knickerbocker. So he loves a pen name, and that came out in 1809. And Knickerbocker is a Dutch-American historian. This is the character he's created. Yep. Who dressed in a specific type of baggy knee trousers, referred to as Knickerbockers, later shortened to Knickers. 
And so what, this one book, so many different things are now named because of him yeah, just having so, had his pen name. So in the 20, early 20th century, men or boys' baggy knee breeches became popular and they started calling them knickerbockers because they're named after the resemblance of knickerbockers to the knee breeches worn by the men in uh, George Cruikshank's illustrations of Nir- Irving's book. And the knickerbocker also became a term given to the descendants of the original Dutch settlers that later became New York. And this is where the NBA team, the New York Knicks, or the New York Knickerbockers, their full title, gets their name from. Isn't that wild? And then I guess Knickers, like, is underwear. Yeah, so that's a shortening of that, too. Yeah. I love that sort of stuff. What a guy. So, and here's a... It comes full circle. Diedrich Knickerbocker is the narrator for The Legend of Sleepy Hollow. Ah. Also, Rip Van Winkle. So, in these 33 essays, it's published under... Whatever, Johnny Crayon or everything. <laughs> and then within that, there's also two stories written by Diedrich Knickerbocker. And there is two most famous stories. Ah, oh, right. Oh, there you go. So, oh, oh, he sort of created a, a universe. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> when it, when's one of the big uh, vi- uh, video, one of the big movie production companies going to take it on? Big studio. I could see the, the Rip Van Winkle universe being yeah. big. <laughs> is, this, is this a Rip? Is this a Rip? <laughs> is this Rip Cannon? Yeah, and The Legend of Sleepy Hollow has been seen as an important text because it is among the earliest examples of American of American fiction with enduring popularity. And it was popular in Europe and made people sit up and take note of writers coming out of America. So before okay. that, they hadn't really broken through. Right. Still seen as a cultural backwater. Yeah. We love it. All right. Well, we always start with the opening line. And this is the opening line of The Legend of Sleepy Hollow. It's a long one. He writes long sentences. Okay, great. That's classic Knickerbocker. In the bosom of one of those spacious coves which indent the eastern shore of the Hudson, at that broad expansion of the river denominated by the ancient Dutch navigators, the Tappan Zee, and where they always prudently shortened sail and implored the protection of St. Nicholas when they crossed, there lies a small market town or rural port, which by some is called Greensburg, but which is more generally <laughs> and properly known by the name of Tarrytown. <laughs> and we're off. That is a long sentence. Mm, it really sucks you in though, doesn't it? Yeah. It paints a picture of Tarrytown. Yeah, yeah. No, it's super long. There's about seven or eight commas. It just keeps going. All right. So we're off. We're in the... So the, the, all of that is fictional, but the Hudson is the, a real river or is that all... This is all just in some make-believe place? No, it is. It's all... that. Those places all exist. They do exist. They okay. do exist, yeah. But <laughs> Even Tarrytown? Tarrytown, yeah. Oh, my God. So we're in, we're in the Dutch settlement of Greensburg or Tarrytown, which is in the state of New York, and about two miles down the road is a very quiet valley that the narrator Deirdre Knickerbocker describes thus. From the listless repose of the place and the peculiar characters of its inhabitants who are descendants from the original Dutch settlers this sequestered glen has long been known by the name of Sleepy Hollow and its rustic lads are called the Sleepy Hollow Boys (laughs) I wonder how they came up with that wow no relation (laughs) so it's supposed to be this lovely and quiet dreamy little place but all the residents believe that it's also haunted by supernatural happenings. Ooh. There's a lot of superstitions and strange stuff going on, but the narrator tells us 
The dominant spirit, however, that haunts this enchanted region and seems to be commander-in-chief of all the powers of the air is the apparition of a figure on horseback without a head. Oh, my God. It is said. see where he's going? Oh, my gosh. What's he doing? Steering all over the place. I guess, I guess the, he's got to trust the horse. The horse has a head, right? The horse is headed. Headed. A headed horse. Single-headed horse. Okay. Between them, they have one head. <laughs> they write, it's said to be by some, the ghost of a Hessian trooper whose head had been carried away by a cannonball in some nameless battle during the Revolutionary War. Right. Now, a Hessian or Hessian the English and American pronunciations, is a name given to German soldiers who served as auxiliaries to the British Army during the American Revolutionary War. And so basically they're saying that this headless soldier lost his head right. in battle and is now haunting this place Okay, on horseback. The, yeah, the cannonball carried it away. Yeah, carried it away. <laughs> that's, that's an image. You picture the cannonball with ha- arms and legs. Yeah. <laughs> Scurrying <laughs> off with your head. This is mine now. <laughs> is, it, is that the same word as the sax? Did the uh, the Germans come up with uh, the Hessian sax? That, that's a great question. <laughs> and I'm going to Google it right now. <laughs> great question might be a bit of a stretch, but I appreciate it. Well, it's uh, the same spelling, also called a, a burlap or gunny sack yeah. or toe sack. Sack of many names. There you go. So, the answer is, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> so, this head of the soldier on horseback is often seen riding in the valley and near the church. And it's speculated that each night he rides back to the scene of the battle to look for his head. And that he's often in a rush to get back to the church cemetery where he's buried before daybreak. Right. Can't be seen during the, the daylight hours. Okay. How, how does a headless person look for their head? Mm. You know what I mean? Just a lot of sort of feeling on feeling, the ground. Yeah. Looking with his hands. Yeah. Or really trusting the horse. That's true. The horse has to use his imagination. Is it a talking horse? Yeah. Yeah. How does he, how does he communicate with it? He can't listen or talk, the headless horseman. Mm. There's a lot of questions here, isn't there? Well, maybe it's just a vibe thing. Yeah. I think I've heard that people who ride horses a lot, they, they you know, there's a real connection that um, develops. Oh, yeah, that's right. From your thighs to their <laughs> Yeah, that, he speaks back. to his thighs. Yeah, yeah. Let your thighs do the talking. That's Couple how of squeezes? I get through life. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Two squeezes for yes, one squeeze for no. Sometimes I wish you'd l- stop letting your thighs do the talking, mm-hmm. if you know what I mean. Yeah, should I probably use my mouth a bit more? Yeah, we've been sharing a, a place here for the last few nights. And um, honestly, if you could put some pants back on okay. and just communicate like everyone else. All right. Well, I mean, you've, you've made your point and I've... I've used my voice for the majority of this podcast so far. So I've, only, far. I've only said a couple of things with my thighs. <laughs> yeah, but we're getting that subtext. <laughs> so the locals give this guy the creative name, the Headless Horseman of Sleepy Hollow. They're very literal people, aren't they? They really are. They really <laughs> the are. Sleepy, the Sleepy Hollow boys. <laughs> <laughs> they say it as they see it. Absolutely. We soon meet one of the residents of the town. This is our main character. Another amazing name here, Ichabod... Crane. Ichabod Crane. That is a great name. Ichabod Crane. Do you think an ancestor of Dr. Frazier? I think so. Yeah. <laughs> Almost certainly. So Ichabod, uh, Fraser Crane, has only recently moved to town as the schoolmaster and doesn't have a house but rather travels between local people's places, staying on their farms for a week at a time 
doing odd jobs to pay the rent. He's a very tall and very lanky man. Even, they use the word lank. Describe him as a lank. I like, I like that. He's seen as quiet and nice in his day-to-day life, but in the classroom he's pretty strict and a bit brutal, to be honest, punishing the naughty kids with a rod, saying, you'll thank me when you're older. Really? Yeah. What does he do with the rod? I think just, you know, gives him a smack. Yeah, right, a rod. Like a, yeah, a cane or whatever. I guess this is the 1800s. Yeah. He probably, he probably has been quite kind compared to, normally they'd, you know, chop off fingers <laughs> yeah, that's with right. a sword or something. Get the guillotine out. Yeah. He's also quite good, or at least described as being loud, at singing. <laughs> that is very funny. <laughs> well, no, they don't say he's good, but they do say he's loud. Wow, he's loud. <laughs> I just found they kept describing the, the volume rather than the quality of the voice, which is good stuff. And through that sheer volume, he became the town's singing master for extra cash. Remember when towns used to have singing masters? Oh, yeah, they were great times. They were good days. There was a master of everything. Riding master. They did all the town's riding. Yep. You had the uh, scrabble master. They did all the town's scrabbling. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the list goes on. He believes in uh, witchcraft and spooky stuff and visits lots of the local women who entertain him with spooky tales. And he also often reads History of New England Witchcraft, which is a book. And he reads it before walking home from work through the dark and spooky streets and forests. And because he's just read the book, he's almost constantly on edge when he's walking home. Yeah, he's made a mistake. Yeah. (laughs) Just save it till you get back. Yeah. Read it in the daytime. And to protect himself, this is what he does. He loudly sings songs or psalms to ward off spirits. Okay. Loudly. But, I mean, could that attract spirits as well? You're really alerting the spirits yeah. to where you are. Oh, someone's over there. Better go haunt him. Yeah. Does, are spirits afraid of loud noises? <laughs> oh, <laughs> sorry, you freaked me out there. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> I'm going to stay over here in my hole. And this is what the book says. So, he's spooked by a lot of things, but these is, uh, this is what really gets him all these however were mere terrors of the night phantoms of the mind that walk in darkness and though he had seen many specters in his time and once been beset by satan in diverse shapes in his lonely perambulations yet daylight put an end to all these evils and he would have passed a pleasant life of it in despite of the devil and all his works if his path had not been crossed by a being that causes more perplexity to mortal man than ghosts, goblins, and the whole race of witches put together. And that was a woman. (laughs) 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 Oh, my God. (laughs) Uh, Again, that is a single sentence. Yes, okay. But I had to put it all Went over three pages. I love that lead up to it. It's like, these are all the scary stuff. But honestly, that's nothing in compared to... This woman that he met. That's so funny. It sounds like a 1980s stand-up routine. Yeah. <laughs> it's not even the 1880s. This guy's early. So the woman uh, the writer's talking about there is Katrina Van Tassel. Incredible names. Fantastic on, name. It's probably the best names I've ever come across in one short story. One of Ichabod's 18-year-old singing students. That's who Katrina is. She is renowned for her beauty and also comes from a very, very well-to-do family. Her father is a rich farmer, and when Ichabod goes over to their house, he sees how wealthy they are and starts to think, you know what? I could really get used to this. Right. I think I love this woman. I could sing loudly in this yeah. place. 
I love this woman and all the stuff she has. <laughs> yeah. The problem is, a lot of other men in the area have had the exact same idea, and Katrina finds herself with many potential suitors competing for her hand. Ichabod's greatest rival in love is the town's local bad boy. Wait for it. His name is Brom Bones. Oh, yeah. Brom Bones. Brom Bones. He's a local larrikin, often doing pranks on people. Also a great trombone player. Trombone <laughs> on the trombone. Trombones on the trombone. <laughs> We've got uh, Tenchmorn on the French horn. <laughs> Tenchmorn. That's a great name. You've got a skill. <laughs> I mean, is that any more ridiculous than Brombone? No, that's what I'm saying. It's fantastic. <laughs> Tenchmore. Tenchmore. <laughs> Johnny Crumpet. Anyway. I love that in this town where there is a headless horseman ghost, the bad boy (laughs) is a guy called... Brombones. 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 Even an even badder boy (laughs) than a headless horseman. So, but he's also a big, huge, strong man. Very big, very strong, doing lots of pranks. Okay. Painting the picture here for Brombones. Huge prankster. But he's also nice and popular. And because it's publicly known that he has a big thing for Katrina, most of the other suitors have now backed away. Right. Not wanting to cross Brombones. But not our man Ichabod. Had he called Dibs or what? He's basically called Dibs. <laughs> That's what's happening. And that was still a acceptable socially yep, in the 1800s. Yep. <laughs> Everyone's like, oh, maybe they're just thinking, I can't compete with Brombones. He's cooler than me. He's bigger and stronger than he me. He plays the trombone better the, than me. Oh, my gosh. Oh, when I play it, it just sounds like... <laughs> wah, wah, wah. Terrible. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus... Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. So everyone's dropping out of the race except Ichabod. He is well and truly still in, but becomes more subtle with his attempts to woo Katrina, dropping by as a singing teacher rather than directly asking her out. He doesn't want to directly compete with Brom Bones, but he's like, well, I'm here for another private lesson. Let's chat. Okay. Katrina seems keen on both men, giving them equal attention, which fuels their rivalry to new heights. She's described as being a bit flirtatious. Let's see, especially with what she wears. This is what it says. A provokingly short petticoat to display the prettiest foot and ankle in the country around. <laughs> That is short. Mm, she's really... It's showing some foot. Mm, putting the foot on display. I, can't, I cannot believe she's wearing a petticoat that doesn't cover her foot. No, it's, it's scandalous, to be honest. <laughs> so the two rivals are driven wild by her ankles. Ichabod knows that Brombones is keen to have a physical fight, a duel to settle it. But he also knows he has absolutely no chance of winning, so he completely avoids that. So instead, Brom and his bros, the Brombones... <laughs> launch a series of pranks against Ichabod, <laughs> including sealing his chimney at the top to smoke out his singing lessons. <laughs> so this fire up the so funny to weaponize pranks like that. And they also I think of pranks, I think of 
you know, just creating a bit of trouble, a bit of mischief. Bit of fun. But he's like, I'm going to ruin your life with yeah. this prank. The other prank he does is ransack his classroom to make it look like witches have visited. Okay. I mean, I think you're right on the edge of not being able to call these yeah. pranks. <laughs> also, at any opportunity, Brom puts down Ichabod in front of Katrina. Trying to big himself up. One day, Ichabod is invited over to Katrina's home for a dance that her family are holding. To go, he puts on his best clothes and borrows a very old and, to be honest, a very sad horse called Gunpowder. When he gets to the dance, of course, Brom Bones is there too, having ridden over on a steed called Daredevil that no one else in the town would even dream of attempting to ride. Uh-huh. It's a... It's a wild pony. Right. But he's tamed it. A bucking bronco. Mm, But he's a great horse rider. Right. So he's tamed the beast. And there's great food at the party. This sentence really got my attention. And then there were apple pies and peach pies and pumpkin pies. That's the word pies three times in one sentence. You love pies. We'll give this an extra star at the end just for that. Can I have a guess as to where this is going? I want to hear it. So this guy, Brombones. Brombones. Is a fantastic... Horse rider, yep, and prankster. He loves it. And at night, there's a famous headless horseman. Mm-hmm. So a good horse rider, but maybe just a town prank. You know what I mean? Okay. So I I, I don't know anything about this story. I don't know if it is a Scooby Doo kind of thing where at the end they pull off the you know like this bulky thing over where the head would yes. be. Making a fake headless person. Brombones. Brombones underneath. Would have got away with it too. Yeah, exactly. But That's my early guess, but I don't know if this is a... I always assumed that it was a genuine headless horseman. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're going to find out. Because they're both at this party, death staring each other across the room. But Ichabod gets the upper hand on the dance floor as he's got some great moves. Okay. Loud voice. Great moves. That's, That's what you got to know. Also, tall and lanky. They're the four things you got to know about Ichabod. Powerful combination. Mm. And Katrina, she's loving it. She's dancing with him. Brom Bones is watching off, watching on, pissed off. Okay. Later on in the night, the party winds down a bit, and some of the older men start telling old war stories that are clearly exaggerated. Then the topic, of course, because everyone believes here, swaps to ghost stories, and of course they start talking about the mysterious headless. Horseman. Can you believe it? Brombone shares the story of being haunted himself by the headless horseman. And was Brom Brom scared? Was Brombone scared? <laughs> His name is so dead. I've said it so many times it's lost all meaning. Yeah. I've never had any to begin with. And was Brom Bone scared? Of course not. He's a bad boy. And he's also lying because he is the headless horse <laughs> well i don't i've got i'm taking him at face value this okay. is what he says happened okay okay he offered to race the headless horseman for a bowl of punch <laughs> <laughs> what and he says i should have won it too because for the daredevil which is his horse beat the goblin horse all hollow but just as they came to the church bridge the hessian man bolted and vanished in a flash of fire which is not fair if you're in a race. Yeah. You've got to see it through. Exactly. So, no, I wasn't a racing anyway, just before <laughs> you were about to lose. No, that was a practice run. Yeah. No. Oop. Yeah, that's dodgy. Okay. Not liking this. 
Which is not fair. So Bad he, sportsmanship from the Headless Horseman. Exactly. Just when you thought you could trust him. Mm. The Headless Horseman owes Brom Bones a bowl of punch. Yes. That's what we know. So not How fair. How did they come to this agreement? Because we already know that the Headless Horseman doesn't have a, a mouth. Yeah, but they they just went thigh to thigh. Okay. Started feeling it out. They started scissoring. They started scissoring. <laughs> in a conversational context, yeah, yeah. please. Pants on. Pants on. Well... <laughs> they tried pants on, but they couldn't feel anything. Yeah. They were both wearing their sort of leather riding pants. Oh, okay. They're wearing jodhpurs. So okay. All right. Take them off. This is conversational scissoring. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Right. You feeling that? <laughs> okay. One bowl of punch. Agreed. Agreed. Okay. Then they shook on it. <laughs> they shook on it. With, With their thighs. <laughs> so he's told this story. And then it's uh, Ichabod's turn. We don't hear. Apparently, he also told some of his own spooky tales. Love it. He's like, oh, you know what? I've come across some spooky stuff in these forests and what I do is I loudly sing psalms. Pretty cool. Yeah, one of them was a woman. (laughs) That woman. That woman. The most terrifying thing here is that woman. So the party winds down, but Ichabod stays behind to talk to Katrina, the woman he's got a crush on. But the narrator remarks that he soon suddenly left her house looking unhappy and it's speculated upon that perhaps he was crestfallen, having discovered that she's just not that into him. And maybe, this is all speculation, she was using Ichabod to play him off against his rival Brom Bones. But again, that's speculation. It's interesting to know how much the narrator knows of this story, but they do not know that one little bit. Yeah, right. That is interesting. <laughs> they know it all but that bit. It's holding a little back. So, yeah, it doesn't seem like she really needs to play them off against each other if she's only interested in one of them. Yeah, hey, that guy's in love with me. Better really make sure. Play him off against the other guy's also in love with me. I think it's the best way to kick off a relationship. (laughs) (laughs) By playing hard to get. So, that's, that's speculation. But all we do know is he's left the party pretty quickly. He's looking sad. Icky. Icky. Icky's sad. Icky Crane rides his old horse home. Thinking on all the spooky stories he's just heard, because they've just gone around the campfire, basically swapped these spooky stories, he starts to get a little uneasy, especially when he gets close to the church where the headless horseman is said to be in residence. He's relieved when he passes a giant and spooky-looking tree named Major Andre's Tree. Great name. uh, Got a bit of a... A backstory in the town. But for some, when I imagined this story, I imagined a big sort of tree with long arms branching out, sort of twisted. And, and I'm not sure if that's because like I saw it on a Scooby-Doo episode or yeah. something. That's part of the imagery that came to mind. But it is in there. But um, he rides past it and he's like, oh, thank goodness. So that, that tree does have arms and, arms and sort of reaches out for you? Well, no, it just describes it as each... Like limb of the tree is like a tree itself. That's how right. thick it is, and they're twisted and it's bend not literally out. moving. No, but it just looks scary at yep. night. And I just had I went, oh, I've, I've thought about that before. I don't know why. And I thought about it with this story. But anyway, Major Andre's tree, he passes it. But as Icky approaches a bridge that crosses the river, his horse suddenly stops, and he sees a giant figure. The hare rises on the top of his head whoa he's scared he's like there's someone over there i don't know what it is what is it i've heard of the hair on the back of your neck raising but never on the top, the top of your of head, head. Like, full, much heavier hair yeah, full mohawk it's <laughs> <laughs> going up <laughs> like you're on one of those electric machines he had like neck long hair 
This is what it says. He looked like the singer from Static X. (laughs) (laughs) This is what it says. Hair on the top of his head. What was to be done? To turn and fly was now too late. And besides, what chance was there of escaping ghost or goblin, if such it was, which could ride upon the wings of the wind? Summoning up, therefore, a show of courage, he demanded in stammering accents, Who are you? <laughs> what I mean, what answer do you want to hear? What do you want to know? What, you, what would make you happy? Yeah. No f- one. Uh, uh, oh, no, no one's one. scary for sure. <laughs> <laughs> the figure doesn't respond. So Ichabod, he's like, all right, rude. Tries to continue on. He's like, he starts trying to sing a psalm. That's his big defense move. The figure then moves and he realizes it's not just any figure. It's a giant horseman on a very big horse. Oh, big horse as well. Yeah, big. Ichabod takes off on gunpowder, but the horseman silently keeps pace with him. I imagine imagine the horse is still making moves. He's making noise, but he's just not saying anything. Yeah. So Ichabod tries to slow down and do that thing where he goes behind him. Yeah, yeah. But the horseman just slows down as well. Try a handbrake turn. (laughs) Indicate right and then turn left. (laughs) It's only at this point does Ichabod realise that the horseman is headless. Whoa. He didn't notice that before. And the head is resting on the saddle in front of him. Oh, he got his head. He's got his head. He's riding. He's finally found it. Galloping along with the head sitting in front of him. This is great news for him. Great news. He doesn't have to go thigh to thigh anymore. Is that his unfinished business? I guess. Maybe he'll cross over to the other side. See you later, guys. <laughs> Even Gunpowder the horse is freaked out by this. Wow. And takes off. That's what he was trying. That, thank you, finally, yes, Gunpowder. I know. Like, yes, please. I wanted to go as fast as possible. And he, they gain a bit of ground because Gunpowder goes so quick. But they're going so fast that Ichabod's saddle falls off. Oh, that's not good. And is trampled by the headless horseman as it falls under his hooves behind. Without a saddle, Ichabod has to hang on for dear life. He holds on sound saddle. Yeah, he, he, I think it says he grips the neck. He just grabs right. sort of bear hugs. That's good click, quick thinking. And as he's holding on, he sees the bridge near the church approaching, the spot where he's heard the headless horseman disappears. And he thinks, if I can make it there... I can make it anywhere. <laughs> <laughs> He says, like, if I can make it there, that's Bali. That's safe. The Headless Horseman can't cross this. I thought you meant the island of Bali for a second. The (laughs) Indonesian holiday resort. That's (laughs) paradise. That is a plunge pool. (laughs) He's like, if I get there, I'll get out of it. But just as he thinks this, the Headless Horseman stands up on his horse and throws his head at Ichabod. No. Which hits him in his own head. And throws Icky from his horse. He's been searching for this head for so long and now he's just throwing it away at a random passerby. Yeah, using it as a weapon. Come on. Come on. You've, you've been missing this for decades. Yeah. I don't Put think it up where it belongs. This horse doesn't... This horse, this head Does he doesn't... Does he have a neck? <laughs> yeah, that's in a separate spot though. Is the neck... Oh no. Yeah, that's the problem. You okay. can't put the head back on until he finds the neck. Right. Look, or unless he takes up rugby. Yeah. <laughs> Sans neck. Fortunately, that was shot off by a smaller cannonball. <laughs> so, he's, he's fallen off the horse. That's all we know. Cut to the next morning. The next morning? <laughs> That's where he's on hunting for his neck. The neck is in mourning. <laughs> the next morning, gunpowder the horse 
has appeared back back at Katrina's farm, innocently eating. Like nothing's happened. This horse doesn't give this a shit. This horse doesn't Come pass on. on anything. Come on, get your thighs ready. Yeah, yeah. Come on, pass on that your owner is missing. All they can see is he's with no saddle and there's no sign of Ichabod. When Ichabod doesn't appear at work or anywhere by dinner the next day, Katrina's father gets worried and sends out a search party and all they find is a trampled saddle and Ichabod's hat and a a smashed pumpkin (gasps) next to a river. Oh, like a pumpkin head? Mm, A a pumpkin-sized head. Oh my God. Or a... Head-sized pumpkin. Jeez. But no sign of the man himself. And this is what the book says. The townsfolk, quote, shook their heads and came to the conclusion that Ichabod had been carried off by the galloping Hessian. And that's how they... So they thought, well, the ghostly headless horse was taking him off. And their reaction was they shook their heads. Yeah, they shook their heads. Classic Ichabod always getting himself into scrapes. They're really not that worried. They say, as he was a bachelor and in nobody's debt... Nobody troubled his head any more about him. The school was removed to a different quarter of the hollow. So they're just like, oh, let's move the school. Who cares about that guy? Yeah. Whatever. Okay. He didn't owe anyone money. Why don't they move... If they can move the school, why don't they move everything else away from that church? I think they definitely should. But they, but I think for them, they're like, it only got the school teacher. Mm. Who cares? So they all moved on and something Ichabod simply moved out of town after being rejected by Katrina... Others think he may have been taken by the headless horseman, like that story says. But what's their theory on the pumpkin? Well, no one seems to really have a theory about the pumpkin, but it is mentioned. And when it is mentioned, something happens. So Katrina, the one that Icky's in love with, soon marries Brom Bones. And Bones himself, quote, was observed to look exceedingly knowing whenever the story of Ichabod was related. Oh, I really hope I didn't guess the actual ending. He always <laughs> and always burst into a hearty laugh at the mention of the pumpkin, which led some to suspect that he knew more about the matter than he chose to tell. So that that's totally implying that Brom Burns was responsible through a pumpkin, not a head, at Ichabod to throw him off the horse. Here's another theory. He Brom Burns ends up seeing the headless horseman again and says, Oi, you owe me a, a bowl of punch. And the headless horse, they, they start scissoring, communicating to each other. Yeah, yeah. And the headless horseman <laughs> says, uh, I can't get hold of a bowl of punch. I've tried. Is there anything else I could do? And then Brombones goes, can you take out my romantic uh, competitor? This guy called Ichibod. And then that's, and that's how it happened. Right. I'll pay you. So that's why he's laughing knowingly because he... He funded it. Yeah, yeah, I worked it out. Yeah, he won it in a bet. I didn't do it. No. Yeah, I was part of it, sure. And that's why I think it's funny. Exactly. I'm an accessory to killing this man, yeah. but I didn't do it. No. And the Headless Horseman definitely exists. Yes. Yeah, I scissored him myself. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so I think it's implying that maybe the pumpkin was the head. And why would they imply it if there wasn't a twist to come, surely? Well, I guess the twist is that no one knows what happened to him after that. Did oh, Bro- that's the, it, we don't know it. We don't find out. No. Did Brom Bones then kill Ichabod, or did Ichabod so scared just run away from town after being knocked oh. off his horse? Because his body or no sign of him was ever found. Wow. I assumed that this was still building to a, a, a like a neatly tied up conclusion. No, it's a mystery episode because the final line we're already there. This is something, something quite short. The final line is the schoolhouse being deserted soon fell to decay. 
and was reported to be haunted by the ghost of the unfortunate pedagogue. That's the teacher. And the ploughboy... <laughs> bring back pedagogue. That's for teacher. What about bring back ploughboy? Yeah, okay. And the ploughboy, loitering homeward of a still summer evening, has often fancied his voice at a distance, chanting a melancholy psalm tune among the tranquil solitudes of Sleepy Hollow. Wow. So he becomes his own sort of mystery, like his own sort of local haunt. Yeah. Oh, that, that's... Which, uh, which I guess is a great tribute because he believed in all that sort of stuff. Yeah. But he was probably just hit by a pumpkin and uh, I don't know. Taken off into the bushes. Yeah. What did Brom Bones do to him? But he... If, it, if that head was a pumpkin, he's looked back and he said, oh, that, he's carrying a, a head. It's his head. But it was a pumpkin. A pumpkin, yeah. So I don't know how he's made it look like a pumpkin, whether he's put a face in it. Okay. And it's interesting to know, interesting, interesting to know I should say, this story was written before jack-o'-lanterns ah. were associated with Halloween, which wasn't until the mid-19th century, I believe, and this is the early. But because this story is spooky and involves a pumpkin, it's now closely associated with Halloween and jack-o'-lanterns. And adaptations of The Legend of Sleepy Hollow often show the headless horseman with a pumpkin or jack-o'-lantern in place of his severed head. Right. So, like, that, in my mind, that was the image I saw, that the Headless Horseman riding with a jack-o'-lantern head, oh. which I think is, again, Scooby-Doo. Yes, right. So, because it feels like this story is suggesting that it was just the prankster. Yeah. They built it up. To, I, I'm sorry that I guessed the right answer. That. <laughs> <laughs> but, but since then, all the adaptation stuff, I imagine, I haven't seen any of them, but I imagine they... For the most part, they make it out to be a genuine... To be actually spooky? Well, I guess I, the Scooby-Doo one, probably not. They'd probably solve it and say, well, actually, it was yeah. just this like old but, man. But probably the, the Burton one, I imagine, is probably... Yeah, I, I, I must admit, I haven't seen it. I wonder how they get the full movie out of it. They must add a few more things. Mm. Yeah. And make it probably make it actually spooky. Because yeah, it, it, I was going through the list of adaptations and references in other media, and it's long. Yeah, right. A lot of stuff. So, yeah. I don't know. That must be frustrating for the big fans of Sleepy Hollow to be like, no, obviously that's not no, what's happened. It was just a prank by Brom Bones. <laughs> and that's how it's always shown. Who's Johnny Depp? Is it, he'd be Icky Bot, I'm guessing. Let's look it up. But there's been heaps. There was I saw there was one with Kaylee Kuko from um, that sitcom. And there was... There was one with uh, John Ed Begley Jr. And there was one with, um, uh, what's his name? Jurassic Park guy. Sam Neill. No, I know Sam Neill's <laughs> name. Jeff Goldblum. Jeff Goldblum. So there's been heaps so of quite a few. Yes, I'll just look up the Johnny Depp one. He was playing Ichabod Crane. And it describes a quirky yet sympathetic... Constable, infatuated with integrating modern science into police procedures, but is very squeamish at the sight of blood and bugs. So they've taken it for a walk. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Christina Ritchie, Michael Gambon. All right. And it did very well at the box office, so maybe we'll check it out. 1999 it came out. Yeah, if any of your listeners um, have a favourite adaptation, any big fans, ones that we should watch, let love us to know. Hear it. I wonder if any of them, the favourite adaptation is Ghostbusters. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it might be. <laughs> it might could be. If not yet, it will be. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it, and it's, it's free to watch on YouTube, so anyone can get right on it. Yeah, great. So how about everyone watch that, go over to Primates. 
the feed on your podcast app and we'll talk about that. The only thing left to do really is to give it a score out of five. Did it tantalize you? I really liked it. I think it was a, it's a great short story. It, um, yeah. Yeah, it's just a beautiful little evidence. So, I mean, even though it is a mystery, it kind of isn't. I like how yes. they've left it a little bit open, but they it all they bring everything back together. And you were definitely obviously giving... They probably didn't make such a big deal of the pranks in the story, but because you're giving the highlights, you sort of can put it together a bit easier. Yeah, and it's funny the fact that he was a prankster. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And his horse was this big horse. Yeah. And then, you know... Um, but no, I thought I thought it was great. I'd give it like four and a half stars. Four and a half stars. That's fantastic. Out of five. Out of five. Out of yes. five. Just to double check. We're on the same scale here. I enjoyed it and it said the word pies multiple times. That wasn't even the the amount of times it said pies. That was just the one time it said it three times in a sentence. So I'm also going to give it a four out of five. Great work to Washington Irving, aka Mr. Crayon, aka Nick and Booker. Oh my God, I can't believe how much he's done, how much he's responsible for. Yeah, it's awesome, isn't it? Yeah, very cool. Great. Well, thanks so much for joining me. You can absolutely check us out on the Primates feed, but also your fairly new show. It's already an instant classic in my mind. The Who Knew It With Matt Stewart podcast is out now. That's right. And you're on the upcoming episode this Monday. It'll be coming out with you and Josh Earl as guests. And uh, It was, was a very fun time. It was a lot of fun. Last week was with Jess Perkins and David Quirk. Well, sorry, this week's one was, and that was also great fun. They're all great fun, to be honest. I'm also doing my, uh, I'm doing that show live in Melbourne and Brisbane over the next couple of months if people are keen to see it live. And uh, we're both doing shows at the Comedy Festival, Dave. Yes, Melbourne Comedy Festival is fast approaching. I'm doing the first two weeks from the end of March. My first show, It's uh, it starts early because the Comedy Festival starts officially on a Wednesday, but I've gone early. Yeah. I'm getting ahead of the rush. <laughs> You can come see me on Monday, March 27, and from there every day for two weeks at 6.35 p.m. at Campari House on Hardware Lane. Great little venue, and uh, yeah, it's called Even Hotter in Real Life. I would love, and I cannot emphasize this enough, love to see you there. Yeah, and uh, having seen it a few times now in Adelaide, I would say that is a, I'm giving it a hard recommendation. Thank you so much. I've got a scale of uh, soft wrecks all the way up to hard wrecks. <laughs> oh, wow. And this is, uh, this is a full hard wreck. Full hard? Yeah, this is a throbbing wow. recommendation. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and my show, Ding, is I'm doing the full run at the Chinese Museum uh, at 6.30. So uh, you can catch the first five minutes of my show before going over to see Dave's. <laughs> probably have to see him on different nights, unfortunately. But uh, I'm really pumped. I love the comedy festivals. Probably my favourite time of the year in Melbourne. Um, the city comes alive with the sound of laughter. <laughs> so, yeah, I think do yourself a favour if you've got any chance to get there. Yeah, so many good things to see. We're also doing the Do Go On quiz show on Monday nights, which is going to be a lot of fun. So much fun. So great last year. Loved it. Loved it. So, yeah, thanks so much. You can get tickets at comedyfestival.com.au. And uh, if you're overseas and you can't make it, well, thanks for listening anyway. We love you. <laughs> we love you. Hey, we love you. Love you. And uh, there's only thing, one thing left to say, and that is, thanks for listening. And as I always say here, books, books forever! forever! <laughs> <laughs> Woo! Hold up. 
What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.